I just thought it was worth mentioning because how do you get a break when you're in the middle of all of this chaos that you've created and that you're rolling with, but how do you step out of it when you need a break? And it's like, there's no place, right? And I think that when I've spent time with animals, that would be my place. That was Rocket Dog Rescue founder, Paley Boucher. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this episode, Paley picks up where she left off in part one. She came back from Los Angeles and quickly fell into drug and alcohol addiction. Her sobriety coincided with her adopting her first dog, Lead Belly. That relationship evolved to where she was volunteering with a dog rescue out of Oakland, and that set the stage for her to start her own rescue, Rocket Dog. Like many businesses these days, Rocket Dog Rescue could use your help. We put a link in our show notes to their donation page. Please consider helping out a good group of people. Here's Paley. I lived in this world with like, I, these, we created these like families of like 11 and 12 year old kids that were just like out there like doing their thing. And it was incredible. Like we went to the deaf club. It was a club for deaf people. And I love the vibration of the music. And we went to like these incredible, like, you know, the farm where there's like all these like farm animals right underneath the floor. And it's like they, it was this space where they just like let everybody like do their thing. And the was, farm here? Yes. Oh, yeah. And so I, I only stayed in LA for a very short time. Okay. During that time, I lived in this, um, in this place called Brea Beach. And that's where I like really like started to get it. Like this, that there's, I felt empowered. I felt like strong. I felt like rebel and wild and like, like, um, instead of like kind of like, kind of like waiting to see what would come next I drove that thing I drove it and that's where I was like I'm doing this I'm going where I want to go I'm doing what I want to do and I created like this this place for myself where it's like you know um it just you know it really changed things for me and uh um you know Mike Ness from Social Distortion Mm -hmm. he was a little kid back there and he was like talking about this band and like writing Social Distortion I'm like whatever you can't even play guitar (laughs) 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 but you know it's like anyway and like you know just like these kids like just like fearless we're gonna do this thing it's like okay and it and you know I came back up to San Francisco and um, I lived in beer I well I uh, I lived homeless you know in the park I lived in a, an apartment for a little while in San Rafael I lived in um, Fairfax for a while but everywhere I lived there was like 20 little punk kids living with me yep. and they all like called me mom even though I was like probably the same age as them just because like <laughs> I was like I was like that was who I was you know what other kind of punk places were you going besides the farm in San Francisco well, I mean, the Valencia Tool and Die, um, you know, uh, uh, Mabuhe. I mean, I lived in the back room of the Mabuhe until mm-hmm. they caught me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I lived across the street for a while at the um, Golden Eagle Hotel with this punk rock girl named Ramona. She had Jesus fucks written on the side of her head, like tattooed on the side oh, of her yeah. head. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, a mohawk. And she was like my friend. And uh, she had, uh, we like. I have terror tattooed on my hand here and she had torture. So it's like, yes. you know, um, she was my friend. So we lived in the Golden Eagle Hotel. It was $35 a month 
Across the street from the map? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was 35 bucks a month or a week. That it doesn't matter because right. I don't even know where we ever got the money, but we got it. Right. And then the big, beautiful drag queens that were like at the front counter mm-hmm. and, and they were like buying us food, that terrible food out of the vending machine. Lord knows how old it was yeah. to feed us. Like they were like our moms, you know? I um I ended up um I ended up um uh you know really kind of just devoting myself to drug addiction okay. at some point you know I was doing methamphetamine I was drinking like crazy you know alcohol you know bleh. it's mm-hmm. it was a thing right and mm-hmm. then speed and alcohol was a whole nother thing mm-hmm. but I really uh just went from like the punk world into like just really like narrowing down to like oh i'm like really like a drug addict now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it really shut out all my things that brought me joy i mean it wasn't a bad thing it was like that held its own weird kind of dirty like intense like weird like secret magic right. you know being out there and like being like high and all of the people around me were just like released from prison and you know mm-hmm. were probably wanted you know and uh <laughs> you know right. those were like my boyfriends and right. <laughs> my friends and my family you know and uh and we lived in this place called Land of the Lost. I lived in all these abandoned buildings and um all along the waterfall and you could hear like the water like they were like the water would be lapping against the shore and the seagulls and the seals would be out there like making their beautiful noises and I would be out there just walking the streets deserted and have my little boombox with like David Byrne just like blasting throughout the streets it was completely abandoned and I'd go into like these these places and these um this old abandoned like gas station and you'd walk in and and the and the counters would be like these old wooden like grizzled counters and a million things like things were written on them like chunks taken out of them like old rayovac battery boxes on the wall and old pinup like nudie girl like you know pinup like on the wall and and um and the building would be like crumbled apart like the brick building and um you know, I um, was this San Francisco. Yeah, right okay. down here, south of Market. Before yeah. any of this was built, right. I, I lived down here in these old abandoned buildings. I lived with a, the, some of the original members of the Hell's Angels. Bikers mm-hmm. took care of me a lot when I was young. Right, they look out for women and and, uh, and children and and and, and animals. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so bikers looked out for me a lot, man. Okay. During my life, it's just shout out to the bikers. Cool, yeah, <laughs> shout out. To so I lived with um, I lived in these camps, you know, with uh, some of the original members of the Hell's Angels, and uh, you know, um, um, in San Francisco, you know, um, and uh, I lived in uh, like I said, you know, these guys were like straight out of prison, you know, scrapping metal. We would scrap metal. We would, uh, you know, take all the copper out of like old buildings and stuff. But anyway, we lived out here, and it was really like um, really a uh, rough, but you know wild west wild west man Mind all the way and um i would uh i would crawl up into these like big old abandoned like warehouses and i'd and i'd crawl up and into like the third floor and there'd be like nothing below you and there'd be this one i-beam just like across the whole building and i'd like shimmy across the i-beam and i'd be sitting there like again like blasting like patty smith when the sun came up and the and the sun would just shine light through the cracks in the walls and and the pigeons would be gliding back and forth and it was just like those are the moments where i felt like my soul was safe you know how did you get out of this i i assume you're not a drug addict now no judgment no, totally sober now so I, how did how did that happen you know okay and that's where we start to like kind of go into you know i i um i lived uh 
at that point, south of Market, you know, all down in south of Market, down in no man's land. Uh, we had, like, again, we had this place called the, the Land of the Lost, right at the base of uh, Hunter point, uh, Hunter's Point. Okay. And um, at that point, we lived out there, and it was a bunch of old abandoned, like, uh, cars and, um, and trailers and, mm-hmm. like, half, you know, sunken boats and stuff. And we all lived out there, and it was, like, seriously like mayhem okay mm-hmm. we would okay just probably gonna end me up in prison but i'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> we would end we would go um we would uh row we would steal a boat and we would go out to the pg e power plant we would shimmy up the side and we would grab their big copper rolls and like plop it down into the boat and half the time we'd sink and half the time we'd like get the copper and we'd like row back and yes. and it's like you know <laughs> um and you know try that on lsd <laughs> or, or methamphetamine from <laughs> oh being awake for like five days it's like i don't know how to swim what am i doing out here right. anyway but i didn't die mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um you know i uh you know i um I lived out there, and um, I would go and visit the shelter, the animal shelter, and I would visit the animals because I felt like I needed it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, throughout my life, I needed breaks from this, and I right. didn't know how to get it because I couldn't just go home and visit my dad or something. My dad mm-hmm. had died, but I just couldn't go home and, like, go home. There was no home to go to. You needed snails and squirrels uh, and, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I occasionally would um, go to like uh, some kind of a hospital and tell them what I needed to tell them so that they would commit me. You know, I'd be like, I am a danger to myself and others Mm -hmm. because I just was broken Mm -hmm. and I needed to be away from everything Mm -hmm. because there's no rest from it. Right. And um, I, um, so I was in and out of mental hospitals. Okay. And so like during this, I'm kind of skipping around here, but you know, I was in and out of mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would be because I went freaking crazy and like smashed somebody with a banana stand. Okay. Like just knocked the whole thing over on top of some dude that was like rude to me or something, you know. Sometimes I do those things, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, it seemed like, you know, a punch in the head is a viable option in some situations, right? Yes. But, you know, so um, back then, that was like, you know, I carried a hatchet with me everywhere. And I would never hurt people, but I'd smash their car in a heartbeat. So, you know, I wasn't everybody's favorite. Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, you had to learn. I was five foot three, 90 pound little punk girl living out in the middle of nowhere. And, you mm. know, you have to you have to protect yourself. You have to like you have to like put some sort of a, a, a barrier, you know, some sort of a, you know, between you and like whatever might be coming your way, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um the last mental hospital I was in, actually, I um, I ended up just hopping the fence. I was done. I was ready to go home. And it was a state-locked facility, so they weren't, okay. you know. I was like, okay, I don't need to be here anymore. Whatever. So I hopped that fence, and I rolled over off. I had bright pink hair before anybody knew what this was. Uh, we used to dye our hair with upholstery dye, mm-hmm. okay, and, like, furniture dye, which is pretty mm-hmm. terrifying. But, it's like, <laughs> but, like, it didn't hurt me at all. Look at me now. It got the job done. <laughs> and it's like, we invented this look, right? right. Anyway, um, so I rolled down. I hopped over that fence and rolled down onto the freeway on ramp, stuck out my thumb, got a ride from a trucker, went into San Francisco, uh, got into San Francisco, and went directly to the VATS. Um, the vats was, uh, this, like this old abandoned, uh, beer vat okay. that all the punk rockers lived in mm. all the punks, you know, and they would like be zooming. We lived in beer vats and it was like intense. There was this old abandoned, uh, is it the ham? Yeah. 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 Was that like seventh and Townsend? Or yeah. Something? Yeah. Yeah. So, not Townsend. Uh, one of the, King like industrial. One of those. Yeah. 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 Anyway. 
I just thought I'd throw that in there. The, all the punk bands that came to town would play out there, too. They would right. play, you know, the ex, uh, Exploited, the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, anybody who came the to Avengers town. It was big. Yeah, right. You said that was the last hospital you were in. Is that, and, and you, you got out, is that kind of when you got clean? or No, that was like right in the middle of like craziness. Okay. And I wasn't interested at all in being sober. I was like out there living my life. And, you know, um, but I just thought it was worth mentioning because how do you get a break when you're in the middle of all of this chaos that you've created and that you're rolling with, but how do you step out of it when you need a break? And it's like, right. there's no place, right? right? And I think that when I've spent time with animals, that would be my place. Mm -hmm. I would feel everything else melt away. Mm -hmm. I would go to these animal shelters and I would look at these animals and all of a sudden, all of the things that I carried with me every day, it would go away, it would disappear. I would find a baby um, uh, uh, pigeon and that just needed to be fed and I would hold him and I would feel myself raising, like I would feel myself like closing out everything. I was in a bubble, I was with this animal. It was, um, I could just, everything else melted away. All of the uncertainties and chaos and fear and violence, and it was just gone and I was there with this animal and it was very pure hmm. and very beautiful and very um, important and nurturing. And, yeah. a, and, a, and I'd never understood nurturing because it, there had right. never been a source of it. So nurturing was so much more, like so important to me than these moments, you know? And I, I, I didn't understand that it was nurturing, that I didn't know what the word was. Right. You know, but I know what it is now. Right. You had never had it done no, to you. ever. Right. So um, I would go to the shelters and I would visit the animals. And I just when I needed to give myself that time, you know, and I was at the SPCA. It was a kill shelter then. It was um, crowded. Dogs were barking. It was insane. And I walked by and there's this hound dog and he's like, Boo! he's like howling at me and he's looking right in my eyes. Right. And I'm like, and I'm like, uh, and I just like stood there with him and I, it, I'd start to like walk away and he would like, whoa, he would bay at me, Boo! you know, and I'd go back and I'd look at him and, and he was like very he was looking at me in a weirdly almost demanding way and i was like i wasn't there looking for an animal i wasn't looking to take an animal home my life was not okay i couldn't keep myself safe i couldn't keep an animal safe it's like i you know i wasn't there to try and take an animal home i would never want to put an animal in danger and my life was dangerous you know right. but i uh, you know one of the volunteers came by and she goes yeah he's out of time nobody was interested in adopting him and i was like the next day I had that dog hmm. and, and, I, and I was walking away from the shelter with him and I was just as stunned as he must have been. I was like stunned because I didn't know. I just couldn't leave him there. I mm -hmm. could not leave him there. Right. And I named him Lead Belly. You know, he was a big black and tan coon hound. Uh, lame, and I named him Lead Belly. And um, I lived in the back of a Morris Minor truck. Okay. Do you know what a Morris Minor is? I don't believe I do. They're literally tiny it was a four by four and it was a little trailer that i could pick up and move with my hands okay so me and lead belly lived in a morris minor trailer you're back in a little dog house basically. yeah yeah and so it was just big enough for me if i slept kitty corner mm -hmm. for me to lay down and for him to lay next to me and i moved it way out to the outskirts of town okay away from the chaos and away from the the um heads and away from like the drugs and the violence and the crazy people that break in and, and like harass you and just like I moved away from as much of that it no longer really I couldn't like have my dog be around that you know 
and I, I started um, being conscious mm. of of this, you know, I of like safe spaces. Yeah, which is sounds like yeah, yeah, and it's like I I guess I never really thought that it was fucking terrifying, right. but I could see that it was terrifying for my dog, right? And I couldn't have that happen. Mm. I couldn't have him be terrified or right. hurt. I couldn't have him getting cut or hurt or stuck by something. You know, I just, right. you know, I had warrants out for my arrest all the time, you know, for whatever petty things. And, you know, um, I ended up going to jail okay. and somebody took care of my dog mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to prison. I was in jail, like in San Mateo or something, mm-hmm. thought I was going to prison. They were definitely wanting to send me to prison. And, um, I, um, I wrote to the ladies that ran uh, Martin DePore's soup kitchen. Okay. I was like, "You need to help me," and they wrote letters on my behalf, yeah. and they um, and they released me from jail. And I walked barefoot because I had no shoes. Hmm. I walked barefoot. It was a rainstorm. Like it was midnight, torrential rain. I didn't know where to go. I almost got run over by a um, a Greyhound bus. I just get on the bus when the guy stopped. I get on the bus. I'm like, I need to get to San Francisco. I have no money. And there was a bunch of sailors in uniform that are like, we're going to San Francisco. We'll buy your ticket. Weird. Awesome. Right? Sure. And uh, they paid for the ticket. And I, I rode this bus. San Francisco, I got off on Market Street. Torrential rain, soaking wet, barefoot. Middle of the night, I walked to the Salvation Army. And I stood in the doorway. And I didn't know. I just stood there. And they didn't have any space open for me. But right. you know what? Within an hour, they had me. They threw me some pajamas. Hmm. They told me to just sit there and uh, and wait, and I did. Hmm. And they got me into a program, and I stuck with it. And I um, I literally didn't know what the next day would bring because it's not like I was like some twenty year old girl that suddenly went on some drug like bender and like lost my way. It's like right. I didn't know what life was outside of this world and. Right. My impulse, occasional impulse, was just to be like, oh, let me leave here and go to back to what's familiar right. to the people that I know. But I, I couldn't because of my dog. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I needed to be better. I needed to be safer. I needed to, him to be okay. For him. For him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, he, you know, and, um, and that's it. So would you say, in a sense, dogs helped you to clean your life up? That dog saved my life. Saved and I saved his life. But really, he saved my life because right. it's like I, I, the police would roll up on us and he would start to shake. And I would be like, OK, I never acknowledge or recognize that when some dude was like yelling at me and like punching me in the face and he, my dog was like shaking. I never realized how it felt to me, but I could see how it felt to him. Right. I was just like, you know what? I can take this. I can handle it, whatever. But it's like I couldn't like, let yeah, him be not. hurt like that. Right. You know? So it took him to tell you this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. How do you? How, so then, what was the inspiration to to do this for others? If I can characterize Rocket Dog that way, you're doing it for the dogs, but you're also you're you're oh match, my you're Rocket Dog is so much bigger than the dogs. You're matchmaking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're matchmaking. Our uh, Rocket Dog is so much bigger than the dogs. We seek out people that need us that mm-hmm. need this. Okay. Whether they need to adopt a dog from us or whether they need to, like, be a part of us or whether they're lost or whether they're scared. You know, those people are the people that I see and I, like a squirrel picking up shiny things. I'm like, you need to come with us. Is that weird? It sounds cultish, not a, but no, it's not. not at all. You know, 
So I, um, I, okay, I was in this program, you know, and I was like, I didn't have much, I didn't know where to go next. And I was supposed to be out of the program and like, a couple of weeks and I and you're supposed to like go to some root work re-entry program and I went to like the Department of Education and they're basically like you know oh you should just go to college or do some little art classes and like you know I'm like okay whatever that wasn't a lot of like you know support there I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing and I, I you know but I'm assuming that she didn't see much of a place for me in the world you know and uh there's a lot that goes into that, but um, it's very one size fits all for them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did. I started going to like art classes, and I developed like I, I, I started. Um, I was in the dark. I took a photography class. I started taking pictures of all these people that I lived with out there. I did this photo documentary called Angels, Outlaws, and Outcasts about all the people and all the places that I lived out there. And it's like you know, I had an art show in Bernal Heights, and the people who showed up were the homeless people I took pictures of and the police that used to arrest me. They were there, all of them. It was amazing. One of my doctors was like, you know, why don't you come do this little art show at my kid's school or some weird little off thing like that. So I went there and I met this woman named Helen Hill who was the founder of a rescue group in the East Bay. And she sparked with me. She's an older woman. She's very like, like nice but like had lived a completely different life than me you know she's like one of those like fancy older oakland hills women that are just like so nice and so kind and stuff but it's like something sparked with us and i was like it was like a very short conversation between us probably about 20 minutes but within a couple of days i had five hound dogs at my house from her rescue okay i like She's like, I rescue dogs. I'm like, I want to rescue dogs. She's like, I rescue hound dogs. I'm like, I have hound dogs. And it was like, boom. And it was like, I gave her my phone number and she had somebody call me. Within days, I had dogs at my house. And I had the crazy dogs that they wouldn't give anybody else. And they, this dog ate my wall out of my house, right? And I called her up and I'm like, so this happened. But I rolled with it, right? Right, right. And, um, and, I, and I learned so much. And I... Um, and, you know, from a person like I had been like kind of isolated because I from like going through this program, the drug program, you know, you're like really isolated. You're surrounded by people, but you're like on your own journey, on your own path. And then I was like trying to like go to school very isolated. I was in that dark room for eight hours at a time and I was in my own head and I was living in my in my own thoughts because I didn't have any connection to the world. I didn't know how to even talk to people outside of this. Like what do normal people do you know what's you know and And, um i um the minute i started like having all these like foster dogs at my house i was like all that stripped away i was just like okay i know how to live in the middle of chaos i know how to do this i know how to like take care of this i lived with junkyard dogs i know what your deal is i know how to like do this you need to calm down buddy you know like i just immediately clicked into this place of like engaging with these animals and then also seeing them come to me like just like messed up like one eye like like three legs you know covered in mange and it's like you know and there they are sleeping in my bed we're all covered in like gross like main stuff you know and it's like okay this has felt right to me it wasn't a challenge to me it was like and as I started to learn more about the animals that were left behind at shelters and as I started to learn more about how many animals were like lived and died 
in fear or cold with nobody ever having seen them, acknowledged them or given them the opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. You can walk away from that. I couldn't. Yeah. When do you, do you I know we've talked about years and all that. Do you, when would you say that you started Rocket Dog? Well, okay. So I volunteered for that other rescue for quite the some Oakland, time. The nice yeah, lady yeah. in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, it was a little bit hard because I didn't know how to drive a car. And I just was like kind of, you know, I was just doing my own thing over there. I was like, I started doing these like adoption events on my own in San Francisco with their dogs because I couldn't really get over to theirs as much. Right. And I um, so I started doing it. And there was like some things, you know, um, I really wanted to save the really wrecked up like old dogs, the three like this 14 year old sway back hound dog, you know, and that was like really where my heart like shined its hardest, you know, and um, I uh, and the other rescue group just wasn't they wanted to save animals that were more adoptable, <laughs> understandably. Right. Uh, you know, they just had a different vision. Right. And I am. Um, anyway. At the time, I was like, I guess it didn't really occur to me to go volunteer for another rescue group. I don't even know that there were that any back then, actually. Um, and, but one of our my friends said, oh, well, I guess you got to start your own nonprofit. I'm like, okay. And I just did it. And I right. thought that starting my own nonprofit was going to be like me with all my puppies, right? Hanging out with all my dogs, but it's not. It's all about managing people, which was a total, like, trick, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I knew what I was signing on to. But regardless, you know, that was in 2001 we started Rocket Dog Rescue with just a handful of people and literally no plan. Mm-hmm. And we just kept going and going. Mm-hmm. We would be out there at adoption events every weekend. We would be at 18th and Castro. We would be, I was at 18th and Castro when it started snowing one year. Oh, good. And with all the animals, I was like, oh my God. Like we were out there, rain or shine and like just crazy, you know, weather and stuff. And we stuck it out, you know? Do you have any idea how many dogs? Well, we've saved over 12,000 animals wow. and we, you know. Oh, wait, so yeah, did you say not just dogs? Oh, we save animals, but okay. I mean, we've saved over 12,000 dogs wow. because that's, you know, we have our dog tags with that are numbered. So we're way numbers. past 12,000 now, but like right. there's a billion dogs and animals that may not have gotten tags on them. And right, there's a, a right. bunch of animals that we help that aren't connected to us at all, like mm-hmm. raccoons and right. pigeons and, you know, other people's animals and, um, you know, that are hit by cars in the street and or, you know. We help donkeys, the you know. The ones that need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We so you know way you know. It's beautiful, and and coming up on twenty years, it sounds like. Yeah. Has the pandemic impacted Rocket Dog significantly, and if so, how? Oh, the pandemic has uh, really impacted us. It's impacted the whole world, obviously. Um, it's impacted us in a, a variety of different ways. Um, donations, we haven't had any donations coming in in months, and, and that's okay. We have to, money has to go to people. It has to go to the other areas now. It has to go to, you know, everything from the people that were out of work from the pandemic to the Black Lives Matters movements. Money has to go to these places now. And we're making it work. We're like, our vets are letting us pay off stuff over time. We're, um, we're able to get like, you know, shelters to give us animals already fixed. Whatever we need to do to make it happen, we're not going to let the lack of donations crush this for us. You know, we're okay. going to keep going, and we know that people need to donate other places, and we are all for that, one hundred percent. 
so there's the lack of donations and that eventually that will balance itself out you know mm-hmm. when you know there's no we can't really speculate on that so we'll right. just have to roll with it you know mm-hmm. um and then um it's been a little tricky because most of the work has fallen on just a few volunteers because you know everybody's on lockdown right and so the volunteers that have stuck this out they are like super rock stars like i don't even know how to describe the people that like show up every day and like you know we had to print out essential worker letters for them to come back and forth to like help the animals at sanctuary we have our sanctuary our rocket dog rescue urban sanctuary in oakland and people show up all the time to let those dogs out to feed them clean their kennels and stuff and i'm feeling a little bit anxious though about you know uh adding new volunteers in to give people a break you know i really am worried that we really need to start bringing volunteers in to help us with the with the sanctuary dogs or maybe to foster with us and or you know to maybe uh help us with some of the other like things that we need to oversee right now you know right so i guess my fear right now is that uh and you know that we that we have the volunteers that we need to move forward okay um the volunteers are incredible though the team they're i I can't even find the words really to talk about like the, the individuals that make up rocket dog and, and how they give their all and how they show up every day. And they come from all walks of life. They could be like literally like ex addicts. They could be doctors. They could be, you know, the head CEOs of companies, high powered attorneys, like, you know, the homeless people, you know, that come by and help when they can, you know, uh, just like, uh, medical, you know, people who nurses, you know, there's a, so many different kind of people and they all just like come together and create this and they all like understand the singular vision that we have of like why we're here right. and it's just like magic to me it's like like in my heart I I don't think there's, there's any place in the world that could ever be like this like how do you find yourself in a place like this where you could surround yourself with people and 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 do something like literally every day you could walk into a room and there's an animal facing certain death and you literally just put your hands on them and take them out of there and set them on a different path mm-hmm. you know and, and like you said all different kinds of people all different kind of people and they're there for all their reasons whatever their reasons are they're there but they create this you know that was Paley Boucher on the next episode of storied San Francisco we'll be kicking off a new special small business September first up we'll get to know Radio Africa owner Eskender Azaget please join us for episode 31 next Tuesday music for storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, Our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.